Welcome to the Geek and Review Podcast. I'm Jeremy Pappas, alongside, as always, the man who would be king, but will settle for Duchess, Mr. Russell Jones. Russell. It's good to be the Duchess. It is good to be the Duchess. It is good to be the Duchess. You know what's also, it's best to be the hostess, because I'm craving, craving some sweet little snack cakes right now. Wow. That was a, that was a, that was an Olympic trademark worthy backflip into a segue about delicious uh, pre-made bakery snacks. I can do it with the best. What do you, what'd you think? Silver <laughs> or gold on that one? Uh, I think silver only because of a uh, of a, a, a low a low score from the Russian judge. Damn it! Fucking Russian judge. A segue Olympics that would be worth watching. That would be worth watching as long as it's not on NBC. <laughs> Something we the Olympics have been going on for a little while now. Trademark and. Uh, <laughs> We need to. You have to remember that you can't. That Olympics is trademarked. You can't like as it. We both work in TV. You can't just say you know we were watching the Olympics or hey to, after the Olympics watch ball. You can't call them the Olympics because that's a trademark thing. The same way you can't call the Super Bowl the Super Bowl. Uh, you have to call it the Big Game or whatever else you want to call it. So anyway, that's completely beyond the point. I would like to mention that my favorite uh, snafu in that I forgot to mention last week was the uh, Olympics wise was the Olympic organizers inadvertently referring to the Democratic People's Republic of Korea as the Republic of Korea Ooh. and then accidentally playing the wrong uh, national anthem as well. Ooh. Not a good thing to do. They refused. I think it was before a soccer match. Yeah, they Excuse showed me. the South Korean flag instead of the North Korean flag. Yeah, the the, the football. Football match. Yeah, and uh, they refused to go on the field for like two hours. Not a uh, Not a mistake you want to make. No. In no. in related Olympic stuff, you if you've listened to our last podcast, you probably heard me bitch to high heaven about how awful NBC is with, with the way they do things. And you because... were not alone. Oh my oh, er, god. Er, so so bad. That meme but... makes the fucking podcast twice. Twice. Anyway. Eh, it's gotta have its day in the sun. But I did find this week Lifehacker, thank the high digital heavens put out a uh, blog describing how you could get the BBC's live stream outside of the country. Yeah, because I saw that. BBC supposedly does regional live streaming, so you have to be originating from inside the UK. But of course, there are programs out there that can get you around that. So you can watch the BBC live stream as you know the Olympics are happening. As I like to say, because half the people in my newsroom are you know, turning off the AP – not reading AP alerts or CNN alerts as they come down because they don't want to see what the medal, medal winners are so that they aren't spoiled before they get home and watch it. Right. And then the other half of the newsroom are yelling out the medal winners just to spite them. <laughs> and when the person sitting across me complains, but it says, oh, I'm sorry, don't – I'm sorry. I'm living in the real world where stuff is actually happening when it happens. We're not pretending it didn't happen for another four hours and you know, editing out the Russian – acrobatic or gymnasts uh, complete and utter screw-up just to raise the tension. Ugh. Yeah, that's wrong. That's That was something I read a little bit about. They're making, they're editing people out. They're editing things out to make it look like, to make it look much closer than it actually is. So. That's just, ugh. Yeah, anyway, it's a little ridiculous. We bitched about NBC last week. We have yeah. plenty of other good stuff to positively highlight this week. Well, so- 
I would actually like to start with something that does not positively highlight anything. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going, okay, this is on a certain, uh, this is from a certain blog. Russell knows nothing about this. I wanted to read this because I read it and it was, I think it teaches us a very good lesson. Uh, I'm going to read just a portion of this. It's kind of long, but believe me, in the end, uh, you'll enjoy it. Russell knows nothing about this, but I, I wanted to pass this along. I'm reading from a blog. Here we go. I was playing with my daughter when my phone went dead. It then rebooted to the setup screen. This was irritating, but I wasn't concerned. I assumed it was a software glitch, and my phone automatically backs up every night. I just assumed it would be a pain in the ass and nothing more. I entered my iCloud login to restore, and it wasn't accepted. Again, I was irritated, but not alarmed. I went to connect it to my computer and restore from that backup, which I had just happened to do the other day. When I opened my lap laptop, an iCal message popped up telling me that my Gmail account information was wrong. Then the screen went gray and asked for a four-digit pin. I didn't have a four-digit pin. Uh-oh. By now, I knew that something was very, very wrong. I walked to the hallway to grab my iPad from my work, from my work bag. It had been reset, too. I couldn't turn on my computer, my iPad, or iPhone. I used my wife's iPhone to call Apple tech support. While on hold, I grabbed her laptop and tried to log into my Gmail. My password had changed. I couldn't reset it either because the backup went to iCloud, where my password had also changed. Ooh. I checked Twitter and saw someone had just sent a tweet from the account. From that account. I tried to log into Gmail again, and now I, it told me that my Google account had been deleted. The way to restore it was to send a text message to my phone, which I didn't, and still do not, have access to. Apple tech support couldn't verify any of my information, my address, my credit card number, anything, as supporting information. They had me log into the website, and it was able to again change my password. After nearly an hour and a half on the phone, I realized they were spelling my, my last name incorrectly. They were looking at someone else's account. Once we cleared that hurdle, well, actually, not much else changed. They weren't able to stop the wipe on my MacBook, or give me a pin to log into it, or give me immediate access to my phone. They couldn't do much of anything, actually. Although they did set an appointment for me at the Genius Bar tomorrow. Actually, I did that later when I called the store myself. I I think I know where this is going, but let's let's continue. No, because... that's that's pretty much all. Oh, well, okay. I, well, there's one more paragraph, um, but I don't necessarily need to read it. It's about him actually. It's about him getting stuff. Essentially, contacting uh, Google and Twitter uh, with the help of some of his friends and and figuring out what uh, is. But I will I will uh, I will read the last paragraph, which says, "I still can't get into Gmail. My my phone and iPads." <clears throat> I still can't get into Gmail. My phone and iPads are down, but are restoring. Apple tells me that the remote wipe is likely irrecoverable without serious forensics. Because I'm a jerk who doesn't back up data, I've lost more than a year's worth of photos, emails, documents, and more. And really, who knows what else? It's been a shitty night. Ouch. Now, this is not... Now, how, how did this happen? How did this happen? This is not a, a random guy. You would think, well, maybe it was somebody who had, uh, you know, maybe somebody who's had a password or four uh, that were all password one, and someone just went in and completely wiped them out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually from Matt Honan's Tumblr. Matt Honan is one of the bigwigs at Gizmodo. Ooh. Yeah, he's one of the high-level guys at Gizmodo. This is actually what happened. And this will make your testicles shrivel. 
At 4.50 p.m., someone got into my iCloud account, reset the password, and sent the confirmation message about the reset to my trash. My password was a seven-digit alphanumeric that I didn't use elsewhere. When I set it up years and years ago, that seemed pretty secure at the time, but it's not. That's actually complete bullshit. Especially given that I wasn't using it for, well, years and years. My guess is they used brute force to get the password and then reset it to do damage to my devices. That's complete bullshit. Uh, they clearly used a keylogger. No one is going to sit the, uh, a seven-digit no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so much easier to do a keylogger than it is right. for brute force. If they're going to brute force it, they would much – I think one of my security friends said it's much more likely that they've set up a camera in your home and watched you type your password than it is that they brute forced you. <laughs> The backup email address on my Gmail account was the same as .Mac email address. At 4.52, they sent a Gmail password recovery email to the .Mac account. Two minutes later, an email arrived notifying me that my Google account, account password had been changed. At 5 p.m., they, re, they remote wiped my iPhone. At 5.01 p.m., they remote wiped my iPad. At 5.05, they remote wiped my MacBook Air. It took minutes after that, they took over my Twitter because a long time ago, I had linked my Twitter to Gizmodo's they were then able to gain entry to that as well. Oof. The problem with this is iCloud. iCloud, as people are starting to realize, is great as far as convenience is concerned. However, it's also great as far as I'm going to hack you and completely ruin your life is concerned. Ooh. The fact that you can remote wipe from iCloud any Mac device, I I don't I don't understand why that would even be a feature. Why the hell, other than just griefing someone who stole your your machine, why would that even be a feature and be easy enough to do in eight minutes between the time they got the the, the account information and then wiped it? I would think that if someone stole your phone and wiping it, that would be the safest way to protect personal information that is on the phone. It's not about griefing the person on the, who stole the phone. It's about making sure that if you have a bank app on your phone that logs into your bank account or has bank information, but which those apps have login information that you have to then right. enter that, the well, that's, well, that may be the case. Why would they allow you to do it? Why why couldn't you just call why wouldn't you just call Apple and and put in all your account information that is 100% not, you know, possible for someone to wipe and then have them wipe the do the device? Or instead of wiping the device, why not have a function that locks the device and is unlockable by anyone outside of Apple? Well, we've seen with World of Warcraft that it's possible even to quote unquote hack customer service reps in that you can you know you call in like as the hacker calls in the hacker calls in shortly after gaining access to the account and saying uh, i need to change some information and they're able to with minimal effort provide more easily obtainable uh information to the customer service rep the customer service that rep rep then changes right that that happens to blizzard like uh i think halfway through wow's current life cycle so they I mean, and you can do that any time. I mean, I know right. of people who have had somebody call Google and say, "Hey, this is my Gmail password. I really need it to be reset. Could you do that?" Okay, cool. Thanks a lot. Right, and it's it, it's you know possible to to really take advantage of that. Depending and and companies that have had that happen to them have taken steps to you know improve those things to make sure that there there are 
dead dead drops or dead falls or you know the mm. kind of things that would would keep that from happening. But still, the interconnectivity of iCloud have being able to you know store that kind of personal information and then allow access readily to all those different devices is worrisome. Yeah, this and is people. I, I know a lot of security. People, uh, of uh, digital security people just because a lot of my friends happen to go into digital security uh, a good friend of mine actually works for Walmart and they're and they're you know three uh, they're 13 digit passcode accessible only security blah 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 um, a lot of them a lot of those individuals are saying this is a major 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 thing that has happened and this could spell some real serious problems for uh for the apple and their whole iCloud model. Yeah. Now here's the question, is it just a matter of iCloud and Apple need to put beefier security and, you know, check marks in place to make sure that this kind of stuff doesn't happen? You know, if say for instance, if you try to access, you know, you try to do like two or three remote wipes all at once, it automatically says, whoa, 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 we're going to mm -hmm. put this on a hold until you call us directly and confirm some details offline as opposed to, you know, because well, if someone steals all your stuff, like they steal your airport bag and it's mm -hmm. got your laptop, your iPad and your phone and you want to wipe all three at once, calling Apple tech support to do that, I think, would be a better step than trying to just log in and remote wipe it. Right. One may be easier, but the other one is more secure. Well, here's I, the thing. I think overall – Apple products are being made, especially things like MacBooks and, and phones and iPads, are being made with more and more user-friendly features for, I mean, let's, let's be blunt here, for people who aren't as tech-savvy as people who would traditionally own a, you know, a smartphone or a, a tablet computer. These things have all crossed over into the mainstream, and more and more people who are just, who want to have the new shiny iDevice are buying them to use them. Now, they're doing this because that's what the market demands. The market demands things not be uh, convoluted or difficult or time-consuming because then people gripe. I mean, go and, and open up any... Go and open up any review of any sort of... of complex device, any sort of smartphone, any sort of tablet computer, and and look at just the... the the people that bitch about things that are difficult to do. I had to go through three and six menus to do this. I had to blah, 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 blah to do this. And a lot of those you could almost consider, you know, it's about making things as user-friendly as possible. The problem is, when you make something easy for someone who's not tech-savvy to do, you make it insanely easy for someone who is tech-savvy to do, like, let's say, a hacker. Mm -hmm. So tying all, I mean, because this guy has, I mean, granted, this guy is a hardcore Apple guy. Mm -hmm. Because he's got multiple iPads, everyone he knows has an iPhone. Right. They've got, and they they're all you know connected via the cloud, and they're yeah. you know yada yada. Now, this is something that a lot of people are doing, but this is a pretty this is a pretty balls to the wall example. The problem is giving you all that access to your devices and being able to go onto the cloud and do this, and you can you know you can watch your movie on your iPad and on your uh, on your TV and on your phone, and I, I can't imagine if you had an, if you had Apple TV. <laughs> I, I don't know what they would be doing, uh, but you can watch, you know, you can watch this and do that. You have to remember that there are two doors. I mean, the, the door swings both ways. 
mm-hmm. the fact that you can watch, you know, VeggieTales on your iPad and then pick it up and watch it from right where you left off on your iPhone in the car or whatever you want to do means that your iPhone and your iPad are very, 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 very closely interconnected. So it's, it's, I would say it's a cautionary tale for anybody who believes don't simplify your digital life too much. Let's, let's put it that way. Don't simplify your digital life too much while it's extremely convenient. I mean, all, all someone has to do is hit you with a keylogger, and no matter how smart you are, no matter how tech-savvy you are, you don't automatically check the, the, the address bar of everything you go to. You know, you're going to, just just from being bombarded with all this stuff constantly, one or two of them are probably going to get through, and they're going to, you know, they're, they're, they're going to take you over. It, it, that's a good point in that, think of it like risk. When you play Risk, you try to a, a good player tries to have as few fronts as possible, mm-hmm. as few places where someone could gain access, because you have to protect all those right. different points of access. South America, basically. You right. want to have if you're something in South America. In, right. Yeah. If you're in South America or Australia, you only have one or two routes that people can get in and get access and you know destroy you. Mm-hmm. If you have all these different things. Apple, iTunes, Google, and all of them are connected that way. Right. You know, having all these things is not necessarily bad as long as they're each individually protected. But if they're all interconnected, then all someone like a hacker has to do is find the weak point. They slip Mm -hmm. past the weak point and suddenly they're past all the other protections that are keeping them out of the other things. Are you ready for the greatest analogy you'll hear all day? Yeah, go for it. I'm about to prove that Apple is like Darth Vader. How is Apple like Darth Vader? Death Star. Thermal exhaust port. Yep. Right below the main port. <laughs> no bigger than a womp rat. Well, you know what? Luke Skywalker got in there, and he blew your whole shit up. Yep. That's exactly what happened to poor Matt Honan. That, oh. I mean, his access point may have been no bigger than a womp rat, yep. but the Luke Skywalker of hackers you know, shot his torpedoes in there, and up goes the whole Death Star. Yeah, and in this scenario, the uh, torpedoes would be a keylogger, and iTunes would be that thermal exhaust port. And Luke Skywalker. The iCloud. The iCloud would be the thermal exhaust port. Yeah. And uh, Luke Skywalker would be some bored 13-year-old from Finland. Ugh. Just... A cautionary tale. I'll link this in the podcast if you want to read the whole thing, and kind of stay up to date with this poor guy. Um... Make sure just just don't simplify yourself too much. Think you know what? Uh, maybe me logging in twice for my email. Maybe that's not such a bad idea. Maybe yeah. that's not such a bad thing. That sucks for him, but hopefully they'll get that that stuff straightened out eventually. I'm sure they will. Anyway, let's move away from let's move away from Apple and computer security, and let's talk about something that's fun and not scary, or maybe scary. I don't know. I guess it could be scary. All right. Here's something fun. Here's something fun that came out this past week that's going to have, you know, people dancing in the streets potentially. More than likely, it's going to create flame wars on the internet because that just seems to be the way we roll nowadays. But, oh well. Dan Aykroyd has announced that the third Ghostbusters installment will happen. Yes, there will be Ghostbusters 3. But it will be a new writer and it will be a new cast. It will essentially be the next generation for Ghostbusters. So... Which we kind of... You could kind of see coming, because if you've ever read yeah. anything from Bill Murray 
on the fate of Ghostbusters 3, it's been clear for years and years that he's not at all interested in doing this. Yeah. Not at all interested in getting involved in Ghostbusters 3. He he has many, many quotes that are pretty scathing. Yeah. And uh, Dan Aykroyd told uh, the Metro UK uh, this. He says, they asked, is Ghostbusters 3 finally happening? And he says, yes, we've got a brilliant new writer on it. We'll be passing the torch on to a new generation. We are working on it to make it just right to satisfy our fans. I'm confident we'll be in production in the next year. Well, what do we think about a Ghostbusters 3? I mean, I love the Ghostbusters franchise. I know, Russell, you too love the Ghostbusters franchise. Indeed I do. I bought the Ghostbusters game, which at that time it was being described as as close to Ghostbusters 3 as we're likely ever going to get. Uh-huh. And in terms of if, – if you want to think of, you know, with original cast members or with, you know, those guys – Bankman and Stans and the whole crew, yes, that is apparently going to be the closest we're going to get. But now it looks like, you know, we're going to see a new Ghostbusters and not the new Ghostbusters because I tried watching it. It was just not. not. (laughs) Now, to be fair, this will not be Ghostbusters three in the same way that the new that the the uh, J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie was not Star Trek seven or whatever. Well, The way it's described, it sounds like it is going to be Ghostbusters 3. It's going to take place after the previous previous Ghostbusters. There's almost nothing known about what the exact script is. Mm. They just say, we've got a writer. He's got, you know, good stuff. But they're describing this Ghostbusters 3. So that remains to be seen, whether it winds up being a J.J. Abrams Star Trek reboot or if it winds up being, you know, literally passing the torch to the next generation. And I actually, strangely enough, a few weeks back, spent some time thinking about that, and and that would be the way that I would go. Not a reboot. Don't reinvent the wheel. I could agree. I I would agree with that if only to say that you don't want someone... You don't want to try and cast someone as a young Bill Murray. You don't want to try and cast someone as a young Dan Aykroyd. Because the, the fans of that... I don't know if you would still get those guys coming in and because part of the reason that you like the original Ghostbusters is because of the characters Absolutely. much more. So we're going to compare this to Star Trek because I think it fits much more so than the, the Star Trek films uh, or, or much more so than the original Star Trek series. I mean, you had Shatner as Captain Kirk, but it was much more a role than a man in Ghostbusters, it's kind of more the man than the role. That's right. So that, I think, is, is a really good reason why you would not want to, uh, to to do like you said. You wouldn't want to go back and, and try to have a young Peter Venkman or anything along those lines. Right. And I sat down, and I almost wrote a blog post on this, but this is going to be the next thing that we're going to see. Who do you cast? who winds up being mm-hmm. in the next Ghostbusters crew. And I actually sat down, did some thinking, and I cast my next Ghostbusters. Okay. Let's have it. So here's the things first. I sat down and looked at the original crew, and I kind of gave them titles to be, you know, their roles. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said with with, uh, with Kirk, it was more of a role than it was the man. Right. So let's take what each of the guys in the original Ghostbusters did and find something that's kind of analogous to the formation of a next crew. Mm-hmm. So I looked at, you know, Peter Venkman. He was the opportunist. He was always looking for, you know, the angle. 
He was uh, he did the psychic TV show in Ghostbusters 2. But even then, he was kind of slightly a, a bit of a con guy. That's yeah. why he was in paranormal stuff, because it was the easy way to, you know, chicks an opportunity. Right. Uh, Ray stands, on the other hand, the true believer. Right. He is hardcore. Absolutely. He believes in this stuff, you know. That's probably part of the reason why it was so easy for Vigo to take him over in uh, Ghostbusters 2. Because he is so tapped in. He believes that – he's the kind of person you go up to and you start telling him about Bigfoot and he's completely right there with you. He's not a skeptic. He's the opposite right. of a skeptic. Exactly. Egon Spangler is the analyst. He's you know the guy who's always looking for data and – he just takes everything as, you know, more information for right. He's the scientist. Right. Uh, and then you got Zedmore Winston, who is the outsider. Right. You know, he's, he's the guy who just shows up and says, man, that's some weird stuff. But for a paycheck, I'll believe whatever you want. Right. He's the, so, he's the fourth man that, that is, a, he's a little fish out of water. Yeah. Uh, Winston gives us, Winston is a really important is a really important character in Ghostbusters, and people, people, no one's favorite is Winston, but Winston yeah. is extremely important in Ghostbusters because Winston gives them a reason to tell everybody what's going on. He's yeah. like the main character in Last Starfighter. In Last Starfighter, the kid shows up and he knows nothing, so you have everyone explaining it to him, or at the same time explaining it to the audience. So don't downplay the Winston role. Right. But that is what Winston is there to be. He's there to be the guy that that needs to have everything explained to him. He has to have Egon saying, you know, we have an, an ectoplasmic 7 reading. And then he goes, oh, I don't know what an ectoplasmic 7 reading is. And then Dr. Vinkman goes, oh, that's, you know, that's some bad sh coming down the pipe. And, you know, he's or that he, guy. Or he provides that context. I mean, you know, yeah. my, I, always go to the, I always go to the scene where he's explaining to the mayor what, what it all means from his perspective. So that's how I view the original cast. Now here is my recast using some of the similar roles. I would want to set this very modern day. That let's say, you know, similar amount of time has passed from the previous Ghostbusters to this one. The franchise has just, you know, it hasn't happened. You know, Ghostbusters kind of folded up, the guys went their separate ways, just mm -hmm. stuff happened. Now you're starting back at NYU, very much like you did in the original movies. You're dealing with university, you're dealing with college kids, graduate students, and two of these students are really digging into some of the past research done by Stans and Spengler. Or and just the Ghostbusters themselves, who the Ghostbusters. at this exactly. point would be seen as a relic of a bygone era. Or completely discredited as kooks because it's New York and they've moved on. Right. Uh, but here, so here's the group. You start with the true believer. And, you know, I think, in my opinion, someone who would really get this and would really do this role well, Donald Glover. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, 100%. Somewhat comedic, but he can also be serious if he needs to be. But you, he would completely go in and make you believe the stuff that he's spitting out. Mm -hmm. The analyst... I have two choices, depending on how you know much you want to play to the crowd on this one. Either Neil Grayston, who played uh, Fargo on Eureka, mm -hmm. or Felicia Day, because I have a bad tendency to cast Felicia Day in everything, so I just had to I just had to do that. But I think either of them, and they were both on Eureka actually the last season, mm -hmm. uh, could really fill in that role of 
Spang of Spang uh yeah, of Spangler. I I think that if you want to make him very similar to Spangler, um and that very I don't think you can get that dry, absolutely almost humorless kind of humor right. that he had. I don't think they can play the straight man that that well. And I don't think you need to. But I think they could fill that same function on on the team while still at the same time providing, you know, their the kind of thing that they do as actors. Okay, I can I can kind of I can kind of be be uh, okay with that. I would think um, I don't know. I would think you would need a bigger name than both of those, and I don't really see Felicia Day fitting. But that's 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 just me. Anyway, go ahead. I was leaning more towards Neil Grayston because I also would like to see him and Donald Glover kind of riff off of each other. Mm -hmm. It would be a different dynamic than you see in Community between him and Danny Pudi, but um. I think it would be very, very fun to watch. Right. Because, you know, those two, they, they butt heads and they, and they come up with ideas. They brainstorm together very well. If, you, if you're following the same dynamics as from the original Ghostbusters. The opportunist, another person that I have a bad tendency to cast in lots of stuff like this, Katie Sackhoff. And this would be a much more – kind of a little bit of the opportunist and also the outsider – the way I saw her, her character is someone who is, you know, going through trust fund kid, maybe they're seven, eight years in the college and they're just kind of skating by on whatever they think they can get in and BS their way through. They're very much a charmer, very much a people person. But at the same time, you know, they also could give a give a frack about what's expected of them. I don't know if she can play the 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 age group that you're looking at, though. Kind of older grad student. She's thirty. I mean, she's she's over thirty. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean, she's currently in Longmire. And yes. And she's really good in Longmire. She is great in Longmire, but she doesn't. I mean, I I would not see her as an uh, as an older grad student. I think she's a little. She just looks a little older than than that. You know, than that area. She would be more. I could see her more as a professor than a grad student. Personally, because I mean, she's 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 over 30. And usually your grad students are, you know, getting getting finished right around, you know, before that. Yeah, if if they're actually if they have their stuff together. Yes. I don't know. I I, I don't hate it. Yeah. Um, And I haven't really looked at actors one way or the other. So it's much better than what I can bring to the table. Uh, Definitely not bad. My last role. And then we could kind of discuss the whole group, and if you have your picks, we can pick them out. But my last one, the outsider, Jonah Hill. Uh, I can't. I cannot with any. Uh, <laughs> I can't support casting Jonah Hill in anything. Uh, how how would he be the outsider? He's a little. I don't know. I can almost see him as playing the analytical guy more than uh, at least more than Felicia Day. See, my thought is he would be like a TA. Or he would be like a uh, – not a TA, like a, a assistant essentially, grad assistant or someone you know that would occasionally help out or would be the kind of person who would sign up to have you – know, to be the, the result of, of the other two, the true believer and the analyst's experiments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, he's the first person they strap a proton pack to and throw in the ring to see what happens when they put him in with a ghost. And he's like, guys, this stuff looks really old, and, and this thing feels like – is that a nuclear reactor? <laughs> I don't think I like this anymore. Eh, I, I can't, I can't uh, support big casting Jonah Hill in anything. I would say my, my biggest swap that I can think of right off the top of my head 
would be instead of Felicia Day or the other guy that you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say more of a Dev Patel kind of actor. I think Dev Patel would actually do a really good job. He's currently on the newsroom. He plays um, he plays the blogger. Yes. Whatever. I can't remember what his character's name is. Um, even though it's probably the best show on TV. He, um, I think he could do that whole thing quite well. He would be, and and it's it's kind of going for the um, the Cal Penn role almost, but he's a little. I think he's a little less comedic than Cal Penn, and I think you kind of want him to be want him to be a little less comedic, a little uh, a little more bookish, to come, because that that has its own merits as far as comedy is concerned. I could see that. So I would I would think Dev Patel would be uh, would not be a, a terrible choice for that role. I will say, as far as the the Venkman role, which is what everyone is really going to be, is yeah. what everyone's really going to be looking at. Because I mean, it's when you think about Ghostbusters, you think about Bill Murray, which is why the big the big news isn't that there's going to be a third Ghostbusters movie. The big news is that he's not going to be in it. Right, because the the first two movies literally were built on his character. Mm-hmm. He he was the cornerstone that. And, and the kind of the driving force behind the whole thing. Right. So, um, I like the idea of, um, I like that you have a female in there. I definitely think that would be the right way to go. I don't know. It's a really, it's really interesting. It's a really good. Yeah. And we're going to see lots and lots and lots of discussions about this as word gets around that, yes, there is going to be an, another Ghostbusters. Yeah, there, there will be a lot in this. There will be many, many, many cast lists put out before the first cast list is put out i'm uh i'm i'm sort of interested to see how this is going to be received because i can see it being received really well but i could also see it being received not so much i honestly think that the lead up to it you're going to just see what you're going to see a very predictable pattern half the people are going to say Yes, absolutely. New Ghostbusters 3, and they're going to start the hype train, and the hype train is going to go up and up and up, and it's going to potentially just go off a cliff. Mm -hmm. Unless they actually do have a script, and they do cast people quickly, and they start filming fast. And then if that happens, what you're going to see is nothing but criticism about the script and the people that they've chosen, and it's, you know, it's going to be what it is. Mm -hmm. Then the proof will be in the pudding. After that point, it'll be all about how well they can craft the film, how well they can market the film, and then when it hits, what the expectation is by that point. If they let it drag on too long, if it runs into delays, if it, you know, if they have problems with the script, if, if other things happen, you know, the, the completely ineffables that you can't even predict with the movie business, mm-hmm. then I think it'll be a lot more in trouble. I can see a lot of existing fans really being dis heartened with the fact that Bill Murray is not going to be in the movie. It doesn't yep. bother me, but at the same time since it's so actor driven, I can see at the very least I can see them saying, "You know what? It might not be bad, but it's not going to be Ghostbusters." Yeah, but this is my but. Bill Murray is a very different actor today and has done, well, I say very different. You may completely disagree with me because a lot of the stuff that he's been doing is, is somewhat similar in terms of comedic roles. But, you know, he's doing the Wes Anderson stuff. He's doing yeah. – he's, he's doing the kind of stuff that, to be frank, an actor of his age 
should be doing um, to continue to grow that career. Right. And he's doing really good work. So having him show up in a Ghostbusters, I just don't think it would be – I don't think it would be good for him as an actor. And as much as we would want him there, I think he would wind up ultimately being a letdown. See, I think that he could he could find a place in one of these movies as playing the Peter Venkman character, but as a – as all – not not so much a leader, but almost like a mentor to the to the actual to the characters. You winds up I mean? being like yeah, winds up being like the college um, the college right. advisor. The, the 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 funny thing about the whole thing is his his argument about not doing Ghostbusters three is that listen, I'm too old to strap on a proton pack and chase ghosts around New York. I, no one wants to see that, really. No one wants to see that, which is exactly what you're saying. So you're agreeing with Bill Murray. You know, he's doing the roles that he – and honestly, Bill Murray's got more money than God, and he gets to do whatever he wants to do now. And if I were an actor, I would – that is exactly what I would do. I would do whatever movie I want. I would do, you know, Lost in Translation just to spend, you know, three months in Japan with Scarlett Johansson. Fuck the movie. <laughs> I would forget they were shooting a movie, you know, just 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 for just for kicks. I would do those sort of movies. I would I would do Bill Murray movies. I would do Wes Anderson movies if I found Wes Anderson movies to be charming and funny, which uh, incidentally I do not. But <laughs> I you know, that's exactly what I would do. And he makes a good point. He's too old to be you know he's too old to be Peter Venkman. He's not going to strap on the the jumpsuit and and I think he's smart in saying I'm just not going to be a part of this because if he were to be a part of Ghostbusters three. The fans would want him to strap on the jumpsuit in the proton pack, even if it's just to show up at the end in it, or or the producers of the film would want him to do it, because that's what the fans want to see. I'm yeah. sure he could be in the movie, reprising his Peter Venkman character, and do it in a realistic way where he doesn't actually go and fight ghosts anymore. Yes. But I don't think they could make a movie and do that and do anything but piss everybody off. It's yeah. the same way. Look at it this way. What was the first thing that you saw happen when you got a new Star Wars movie? Exactly what the fans wanted you to do, which was have Yoda fight with a lightsaber. Yeah. Which never should have happened. No. Nope. Period. Yoda doesn't need to fight with a lightsaber. Yoda exists not as a little green furry character – that everyone wants to see be a badass Jedi, he exists as a symbol of what the Force is. The Force is not somebody who's badass with a lightsaber. The Force is something very small and unassuming that can wield great power. And yeah. not great lightsaber fighting skills. Great, you know, mental power. It's about there being more than meets the eye. Transformers. Right. It's about there being more out there that you can control even if you're not a badass lightsaber-wielding, you know, Jedi Knight. And they completely fucked that up. Completely did they fuck that up. Mm -hmm. And that's what you would see, I fear, with this sort of movie if he were involved, is they would want him to strap on the proton pack. And, and genuinely, nobody nobody wants to see that. It would be a huge letdown the same way that Crystal Skull was a letdown for Indiana Jones fans. Right. Now, Harrison Ford did a good job, but he never should have been – that movie should never have been made, at least not this, in that way. 
and this goes back to why I say they should very quickly cast this thing and get the cast out there because the sooner they do that, so the sooner people can gripe about the people not in it or go, "Oh my god, I can't believe he's going to play that role," and then then they not can get talk past. about Bill yeah. Murray. Then they can get over it quick enough. It stops being there. about Bill Murray and it starts being about the new film and the new cast. Right. I'm I completely agree. So, I'm uh, I'm right there with you. This is actually, I would say this is probably the biggest movie news that we've had all week. And it's only something that a Ghostbusters 3 could manage because we found out this week that there will be a third Hobbit movie. The Hobbit will be in three movies. Which arguably is kind of that, well... Kind of saw that coming. Well, uh, to a point. And there are, yeah. there is, yeah. the, the big school of thought is this it's Peter Jackson wanting to make more money. You know what? I, I can't, I, I can't buy it. I'm sorry. Nope. I don't think it's Peter Jackson wanting to make more money. I think it's Peter Jackson wanting to make more movies. Yes. And like I said when we first discussed this on Facebook, I'm perfectly fine with eight hours of a Hobbit movie. Totally cool with that. There's enough in The Hobbit to make an eight-hour movie. There really is. There is. There was enough in individual Lord of the Rings books to make eight-hour movies out of all of them. But, I mean, we everyone listening to this podcast, I would hope, knows all the massive things they had to cut out of the Lord of the Rings movies. Again, yes. I know not, not to say anything negative about the Lord of the Rings movies, because I fucking love them. And there's, there's nothing wrong with them whatsoever. Um, but they had to cut a lot out of the books understandably so because you couldn't market three eight hour long movies right with the hobbit it's one book and you're going to get eight hours of it and you know what you're going to love every single fucking minute of it because the hobbit is is awesome yeah they're also including some stuff from unfinished tales which i don't hate as long as they stay away from the christopher tolkien stuff Mm. um and i think they're also going to include some stuff this may be wrong but i believe from the silmarillion which would be interesting depending on how they do it. Because if you'll ask any ringer, which is, I guess, what we're called, yeah. um, the Silmarillion is hard to read. It's like the Bible of Middle-earth. And um, it's a difficult read. It's it's hard to chew through. It's, it's heavy and thick and in places not extremely interesting. But it's worth a read. So I'm, I'm, I'm completely okay with three Hobbit movies. I just am. And I'm along the lines of people say, oh, Peter Jackson wants more money. If you – as far as I know Peter Jackson, as far as I've seen his work, I agree with you that that's not a motivation behind this. He does want to make more movies, and I'm fine with Peter Jackson making more movies because I enjoy Peter Jackson movies. Mm-hmm. So, and especially, there's enough material there. Especially it's... you know, Peter Jackson, big budget, wet movies. Right. I think the, the, this is the thing that's really caused the backlash. And there's been a somewhat significant backlash against Peter Jackson for making this into three movies. The reason for that is that we have seen now IPs, as they're being made into movies, being split up for the sole purpose of making one movie. Um, Russell might disagree with me, but the last Harry Potter film did not need to be two movies. It didn't. It didn't need to be two movies. It could have been one movie, no problem, just like all the rest of them. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was a choice, and they made the choice to make more um, money, right? And not to bring up something that I hate, but Twilight. I, that's where I was going. That's thing. what I was. Twilight is the real egregious one. You could do the Twilight movies in ten minutes if you needed to. Jacob falls in love with the baby, and there's chewing and blood and stupidity, and everyone go be a Mormon. Pop, pop, hooray. 
That's or I could all pay you ten bucks and you could not make them. Yeah, that would that'd be nice too. Um, but Twilight really kicked this off by doing two Twilight movies that never should have been. That I understand they're going to make the movies because the movies are going to be made and they're going to make one of them at least. Making two was just a, was just dumb. Yep. And it was clear that that was what they were going to do as far as make to make money. And I think that's what people are mistaking this for. Which, honestly, given them their due, it's not an entirely outrageous thing to say or or to do. It, it does make sense because The Hobbit is one book. They did The Lord of the Rings, which is three books and three films. The Hobbit's one book. Why does one book need three films? Um, I would argue if he did The Hobbit first, it would be one film. Um, the pro the reason it can be three films now is because it's Peter Jackson and Lord of the Rings were the most were some of the most profitable and well and well loved movies of their generation or any generation and he just has that kind of cred now to go you know what Meh, three movies yeah and someone and goes hell yeah three movies let's go and let's flip this around let's start with the Lord of the Rings because the Lord of the Rings were you know a hell of a long movie I mean it's what with the extended editions all in one take fourteen hours yeah it's it's but still, there was stuff that was cut, mm -hmm. and there are people bitching about the stuff that was cut that you mm -hmm. didn't see, that didn't make it into the film. Mm -hmm. Now, we flip around, and we have the exact opposite. You have The Hobbit, which is a pretty rich story, all told, that it's still one book, but it's now being spread across three movies. And instead of bitching about what was cut, there's now more movies to put more of that stuff in. So you put that in front of someone who was bitching about the last films, and they're just going to bitch anyway and say, er, butter spread over too much bread. Right. Those people need so. to shut up. <laughs> now, I, I, sh I feel like I should amend this by saying I am, if I'm a fanboy of anything, it's The Lord of the Rings. Um, if I'm a super fanboy of anything, it's The Hobbit. Why am I a big fanboy of The Hobbit? Because it's got a ton of dwarves in it, and I'm a major dwarf fanboy. <laughs> And yes, I can name all of them. Um, I've already done it once on the podcast. I don't feel the need to do it again. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's going to be a great movie. I'm really super, super, super looking forward to it. And we'll go see all three of them. Oh, and yeah. You know what? Very likely, very likely going to see them in 3D because of... They will be in 3D. Have you seen the Hobbit 3D glasses? I have not. There are... Uh, okay, let me. I'll try and pull them up. The Hobbit 3D glasses are... They're ugly, super, super, super ugly, and pe but, but people are starting to say, and this is probably because it's The Hobbit, but people are saying, are they so ugly that they're awesome? They're, uh, Russ, I'm gonna let you be the uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you be the judge. Yeah, I'm looking at them right now because they're up on Gizmodo. Oh, uh, they are they are big, they're angular. They're very angular. Very very angular. They look almost heavy, but I know that plastic has got to be lightweight. Right. But you know they're they're kind of big and unwieldy. But I also saw the Batman masks with the 3D glasses in them that people were wearing to that premiere, and mm -hmm. oof, I would take this over those any day. Yeah, I mean, they, at least they still look like glasses. They're they are very big and angular, and they're 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 very dwarven. I mean, yeah, you know, big and angular pretty much describes everything the dwarves build ever. So um, I I think they're I think they're ugly to a point that they're also cool. <laughs> <laughs> they've passed they feel, over they've yeah. passed ugly into being circling back to being awesome also the, the so. third film 
the rumors are either going to be the desolation of Smog or the Battle of the Five Armies. I would lean towards that because here's how I think you 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 break them up. First one is the journey. Second one is all about Smog, mm. getting into the getting into you know his territory, getting into the mountain, dealing with Smog, and then the battle afterwards. Mm-hmm. Then the third one is entirely the Battle of the Five Armies and the Denouement. Right. The first film, I believe, is going to be is going to be called There and Back Again. Yes. The second is going to be An Unexpected Journey, right? Uh, I can't remember what the second is going to be called. Um, the third one, the rumor is either Desolation of Smog, which I think is pretty weak, and the author of this uh, article, which I will share with you on the podcast page, I kind of agree that's kind of weak. Um, it also tells you the end of the movie. Uh, <laughs> the Desolation of Smog. Hey, Smog gets, gets his ass kicked. Um, that's not that's not a spoiler. Well, no, it's not a spoiler. The books have been out for ever and ever and ever. Right. Um, you, that'd be like spoiling Anna Karena. The uh, I I can see Battle of Five Armies, and that's that kind of pumps you up because it's got battle in it. You're like hell yeah, yeah. battle. Yeah, so, I'm done. Hobbit, Hobbit 3D, Hobbit 3D glasses. Um, you know I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind having them. Looking at them, honestly. Yeah, I'll take them. I'll uh, I'll I'll buy them right now. Also, supposedly, this is this is because of the way they filmed it and the the different sp- film speed they are using. It's supposed to be a much richer 3D experience, mm-hmm. and like no eye strain. I think we've talked about this before, but uh, Peter Jackson had said that they were watching the dailies uh, of the Hobbit cuts, you know, multi hours every mm-hmm. day watching these things, and they were watching them in 3D with the 3D glasses, no eye strain, no headaches, nothing like that, because the film speed that they mm-hmm. were using is better and people were bitching about it before but i think that was you know again tip of the iceberg type stuff now that it's getting a little closer to i'm willing to bet that the 3d experience might be the the richer experience for these movies i'm still not sold on 3d as i have made abundantly clear um i will probably go and see these at least for the first time in 3d which breaks my pattern of not going and seeing movies in 3d yeah, I think um, I think this is the big one. Go watch the first one in 3D, and then that will determine if you see the other. Exactly, exactly what I'm thinking. If I really don't care for 3D, if it really doesn't do anything for me, or if I get a headache or just can't see it, then I'll save my money and see them in in good old fashioned 2D. Right, which I'm okay with. Right, I'm still waiting for this 3D fad to die, and it will. And no, I do not think that somebody in a uh, in a time capsule will dig up my podcast and go, ah ha ha! He said the 3D fad was would die, and it's huge now. No, that's never, ever going to happen. <laughs> this will die eventually, uh, because I think people will just get kind of tired of it, or something bigger will take its place. I'm still waiting for like full 360 movies, where you put on like a helmet. And you look around and you can see where you want to be. And then you're directed where you need to go by, you know, that's what a director will do. They direct you where you need to go. But you can look around. You know, that actually reminds me. uh, There was a Kickstarter this week that got funded very quickly for a new set of uh, virtual reality, a new virtual reality headset. Uh, It's called the Oculus Rift. And in a, just a couple of days, it made $1.1 million on its Kickstarter, which wow. was more than enough to fund it. Wow. Yeah, let me send you this link from CNET. I've got uh, it. I, uh, yeah, I saw a shot of Ben Kachera, um with the, the headset on as he was given it a whirl. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's basically like a, like a big heavy unit that sits right over your eyes, and then it's got the strap and the, and the uh-huh. cord that runs around the back. And... 
there were two I, I remember seeing this article saying that the Oculus Rift is a better Kickstarter uh, in terms of innovation and in terms of what people should be putting their money towards than the, oh yeah, the, uh, or however you pronounce it, the new Android open mm -hmm. source uh, gaming console that mm -hmm. was kickstarted recently. So this is something I'm kind of keeping an eye on. We were talking about over at videogamewriters.com and, you know, a virtual reality headset versus 3D gaming, I would lean towards the VR headset. Yeah. Because 3D is never, it's always going to be something on a screen. It's always going to be coming out at you in an unnatural way. You're right. not in it because it's not, it's not recreating what you would be if you were in it. A virtual reality kind of experience, which I think that name will, that name has, funny enough, has kind of become old fashioned. <laughs> Mm. And will be replaced. It's kind of like cyberspace or the information mm. superhighway. It'll right. it, that will eventually be, you know, it'll be called something else, um, like immersive viewing or something like that. But that's gonna give you a much more, a much different effect. It's gonna give you a much different feeling from going to the movies. Now you go to a movie and you go to a movie in 3D and. It might add something to it, but it's something very, you know, very much in the ether. Mm -hmm. Whereas this would actually give you, no, giving you control, directing you to places, and but also allowing you to kind of to kind of look around and and get all of the perspectives that you would that you would uh, you would get. You know, it would you would have instances where you can look around and follow stuff and you know things like that and i know a lot of people have said well you need a director to point you to where you're going to look otherwise you're going to be looking away when something cool happens but there's a way of of i think fixing all that and making it into a really immersive experience that yeah. as soon as they get it figured out man that will be people will go 3d what's what i want to waste money on 3d for right. 3d is well, just ridiculous think about um let's say modern warfare you know I don't, I don't, and I, this will show how little I know about the franchises. Modern Warfare or Call of Duty, whatever. Whichever one it was, it lets you fly in jets. And there's probably someone out going, hey, they both let you fly in jets. Right. Shut up. Um, one of, pick one. Being in, like, the cockpit of a fighter jet and being able to just look around without taking your hands off the controls or doing something different, mm -hmm. I think that that's a pretty powerful tool. Yeah. Being... I, I recently uh, subbed up to play EVE Online for the first time, and being able to, you know, kind of look around your ship while doing stuff, I think that might be interesting. Um, I just think that you could get, you could get more out of it in terms of developers building this kind of visually rich environment where stuff is going on, and you kind of need to be a little more aware and looking around while you're mm -hmm. doing something. I just think that there's, you know, the potential for good stuff there, especially and, in gaming, because they're yes. already creating, they're already creating it, you know, with, I mean, just look at an MMORPG, right? They're already creating this fully realized world. The, their problem is with control, right? And once they get that figured out, it'll make things even cooler. Uh, that was that was kind of also where I was going with his next point. You've got two competing lines going on. You have uh, things like connect and the Wii and, you know, the Sony Move, mm -hmm. those different things working on that controlling aspect of putting you from a controller perspective in the world. And now you've got the virtual headset, like head tracking and stuff that's going on. If you meld the two together, 
and they act, you know, in a way that works, suddenly you're doing, you know, the kinds of stuff that you saw those big VR sets at the mall where they said, oh, play this VR, you know, virtual reality, pick up these things and do all this. The big bulky 90s era mm. virtual reality stuff. It's all it's like polygons. Took, exactly. It's like they took the two different parts of it, the motion controls part of it and the VR, you know, head tracking part of it. And now we've got them both being somewhat developed at the same time. And if they can come back together, I think that would be a very interesting time for gaming. And we will talk about it on this here podcast. But for now, we are out of time. As always, our music is op prop featuring Esset. Check them out on uhort.no. Check us out on Twitter. We are at GIR Podcast. You can also shoot us an email to GIRPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. And something strange in the neighborhood. Who you gonna call? Who you gonna call?